All right. Welcome to episode two of the Clifton Miles Show, Clifton Miles Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Dead Room Recording Studio, where we're broadcasting from today. We're not really broadcasting, we're podcasting from. And uh, I'm Clifton Miles, I'm the host, and um, go ahead and um, subscribe to this channel if you haven't already, and follow us on social media, it's at Clifton Miles on Instagram, at Clifton Miles everywhere, uh, for that matter, and uh, we even got a Facebook page, which is Clifton Miles um, Entrepreneur Author, it's a fan page, so go ahead and like that. And uh, today, I am thrilled to be here with my bro, Ricky Reyna. I call him Ricky Reyna. He calls himself Rick Reyna. What's up? What's up? But um, Rick Reyna is uh, my actually my cousin. So I can say that I've known him his entire life. That's and, right. That's right. <laughs> and, um, you know, I wanted to have him on the show. He's uh, he's going to be moving to a different part of the country here in the near future. So I thought it'd be cool to have him as a, a guest on the show before he heads out. And, um, and he's got a lot to offer in a lot of different areas. Um, just so you know a little bit about Rick. Um, he's actually in management um, for a multi-million dollar um, optical center, uh, for an optical center company. Um, he, he helps manage one of the locations here in San Antonio. Um, and he got that age, at, uh, that position at the young, ripe age of 25. And um, he graduated in 2015 from Incarnate Word with a, a bachelor's degree um, in art history, uh, with art and history, rather. And um, I'm. it's awesome that you're here, man. Well, Thanks for having me. I uh, <clears throat> I really appreciate it. I'm uh, flattered to be on the show um, and privileged. Uh, I feel a little nervous about following last week's episode with the great Mitch Creel, a man with a plethora of knowledge and uh, advice, but I'll do the best I can. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no worries. Yeah, Mitch, Mitch did a great job last week and we're no, we're no doubt going to follow that up in a really good way. So it's awesome that you're here with us. And um, we were kind of game planning for this uh, this episode of uh, the podcast, and we were talking, you know, amongst each uh, amongst ourselves and uh, over dinner, and uh, trying to figure out, you know, how how the two of us can can put our, our minds together and really come up with um, some good content for you guys. And one of the things that 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 Rick and I have a lot in common is our is our wealth of of sports knowledge and 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 how it. And we're huge Spurs fans because we live here in San Antonio. That's right. And, um, you know, got to thinking, you know, something that was really cool about uh, Rick in particular. And, you know, being that this show is is about leadership and entrepreneurship, personal growth, personal development, leadership, um, and, and, you know, everything in between. Um, Rick was actually a part of the 2007 um, state championship um, at the highest level of, of uh, football. Um, in uh, high school football in the state, you know, that was uh, his senior year and his, his team actually went all the way to the state championship, which is not, I mean, I know anyone that plays high school football, that's like the primary goal, right? I mean, yeah, it's kind of every kid's dream uh, growing up in Texas, you know, uh, football is huge in Texas and anyone that ever plays any sports, I think kind of has that dream of playing in the state championship game. And uh, I had the honor and to uh, experience that and what it took to get uh, to that point. That's awesome. I mean, I wanted to, to kind of dive into that a little bit because I feel like there's a lot of nuggets there um, as far as like that process and, 
and and what went into that that championship um, run that you guys had um, I mean up to the championship game and um, being that we talk about leadership I think that a lot of times when people think of leadership they think of only business they think of only um, you know your 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 corporations and things like that right, but right. but leadership you know as Mitch taught me um, early on is is what makes the world go around and, and I, would I agree and with that yeah I, I truly believe that and especially especially in sports you know and and we're going to talk about the Spurs a little bit later um, in the show and they're an exact an excellent example of leadership um, at its at its best but I want you to tell me um, as far as your experience with that situation uh, in 2007 you're on the team it's the beginning of the season um, you go through the season um, you guys are starting the playoffs can you tell me from your point of view from your perspective rather um, what what you what what it took to get you guys to that point you know and sort of sort of the mindset of the team as, sure. as far as it pertains to uh, the leadership is concerned yeah now that how that yeah yeah absolutely um, well one of the great things about uh, Judson High School is uh, it has that tradition that foundation has already been built it was built in the 80s so you're talking about a couple of decades where it's kind of expected to do a good job and I think you can kind of see that uh, with the Spurs as well we the Spurs are at a point where they're expected to reach the playoffs, contend for the championship. So we kind of had that uh, at Judson. With that being said, um, our team, my senior year, uh, was not that impressive during the regular season. We went six and four. Uh, we barely made it into the playoffs. We were the fourth seed. They only take four teams in every division. Uh, so we we barely made it. Um, and then we kind, of, we kind of turned things around in the playoffs. And as far as the leadership goes, I was blessed to be around an abundance of leaders. I think about uh, the coaches, um, starting with uh, my head coach, uh, Jim Rackley. The best way I can describe that man, he was a master motivator. I'm talking about a master motivator. He was intense. He demanded uh, extreme effort from everyone, whether you were the starter or uh, the guy on the bench uh, in practice. He just he he expected you to give everything uh, you got. And then we had the great thing about a football team is that there's a plethora of coaches. And what you get with that is different personalities. And so, you know, different coaches were um, funny. Some coaches were quiet. Some coaches were teachers. Um, and so you get to experience all of those different things. And I think that's key to any team or any organization is to have an abundance of leaders, different personalities, offering um, their their characteristics. I agree a hundred percent, and and I have noticed that as well. Like, because it's you, you, leadership isn't always a one size fits all thing. You know, it's right. different. Different people um, respond to different types of leadership. Now, I know the best leaders are adaptive. You know, and they can they can be funny with the guy that needs to be funny exactly. and they can be stern with the person that needs to be stern and 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 they are like that you you said something um that i wanted to touch on uh, the head coach at the time mm -hmm. no longer the head coach right right he he has retired okay. uh, since then 
The head coach at the time, uh, Jim Rackley, you said he was a master motivator. Can you touch on that and tell me like what, what exactly made him a master motivator and, and um, um, sort of the qualities that, that cause, I mean, honestly, like if, if someone said I was a master motivator, you know, mm -hmm. I would love to know what, what those qualities would be or if I wanted to become a master motivator. So what would you say like was – was different about his character that made him a master sure sure um he was the the other way i can describe him is he was the general that could motivate the soldiers and get ready for any battle so he was the guy that got in front of the team said these motivational words um i think the reason why myself and my teammates and all the kids that were coached by him responded to him so well is he had um uh, the spectrum he had the range where you he you knew that he loved you because um, he would take the time to get to know you and ask about your life and so you knew that he loved and care and really genuinely cared about you so then when he switched to his intense mode and you know got in your face demanded everything uh, from you you were going to respond he, he was he was the guy you wanted to go to war with. He was the guy you wanted to win with. He was the guy that you did not want to let down. So I, to answer your question, I, I, I he just, he knew how to cover all aspects in terms of um, showing the care and really getting guys to dig deep. And um, he was just, he was one of the best motivational speakers that I've witnessed firsthand, at least, you know, you, there, there's obviously a lot of great guys that can right. get up and, motivate a group but i was around him every day pretty much for four years and wow. i never got tired of him getting up in front of the team or in front of anybody and speaking yeah, it was exciting it was exciting right. yeah that yeah was that's a that's awesome so so let's go back to the to that run that you guys had and you know he's he's obviously the master motivator and you guys are are six and four on the season, right, right. you entered the playoffs as the fourth seed, which is the the last the, yeah, seed. Yeah, the that worst could, seed you could be. <laughs> could have made it, yeah. yeah. And so what did, what did you notice about him in particular with your kind of back against the wall? You're the underdog, obviously. What sort of things did he do to rile you guys up? Because we already said you, you guys made it to the championship. So, mm -hmm. so you guys didn't have a great season, you know, right. by, by your, by your words. Um, you guys were the underdogs. So, how, what did he tell you guys, or how did you, how did he motivate you guys that took you to the championship? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, the last game of the season, uh, we lose big time to Reagan. They had this great running back rushed for 250 yards, three touchdowns on us. I mean, he just massacred us. And we're kind of down. It's Friday night. We're down. We come in Monday morning, and you would have never expected that we had that loss. The coaches came in with that atmosphere and Coach Rackley came in with that atmosphere. And I remember we were sitting in the classroom and we, we had the we had these quote meetings every Monday morning and whatever it was, first period, and to kind of get prepared for the week. And he came in and I remember he handed all of us these books and the, the book had 36 days because it was 36 days from that day until the state championship. And he said, you know what, fellas, go ahead and cross out day one. 
each day we're going to cross these days out. And we, we had the goals lined up kind of like how you and Mitch, uh, Mitch talked about last podcast about writing down the goals and having them on paper, not mm-hmm. just on your mind. And so we're reading the goals for the postseason. And on the bottom, it says, we will win the state championship. We will Dang. get to the state championship and we will win it. And I remember reading that and I got goosebumps. The the hairs rose on my neck and it wasn't just me. It was everyone in that room. And we kind of just looked around at each other like, wow, you know, we're really going to do this. And first week we play a team called Austin, uh, Austin Bowie. They were a fantastic team. They had uh, a great season, a good quarterback, all those things. We, we, we weren't expected to win. Um, but we had a good week of practice. We won that first game and, that first game kind of provided us that taste, you know, that mm. taste of, of blood, if you will. And we were we were ready by then. Um, and then you guys were out to kill. We were, that's right. We were <laughs> we were out to kill our prey. That's right, if you will. And uh, so, uh, long story made short, we we gain momentum as the playoffs um, go along. And one of the great things I mentioned is that we we got massacred by Reagan and that running back they had the last game of the season. Well, we see them in the fourth round, wow. and uh, we remembered that last game, and we we went we went out there. I think we beat them like twenty eight to fourteen. That great running back, you know, had about a hundred yards, which by his standards was a, a bad game because that guy averaged two hundred yards a game, whatever it was, um, and. We went to the uh, semifinals uh, where we saw an even uh, bigger uh, Goliath, if you will, and um, we beat them as well. And then we, we made it to the state championship. Now, um, you mentioned something cool um, earlier about that situation with that Goliath. Um, can you elaborate on that and 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 kind of how you guys were painted before that game? Yeah, I was mentioning to you at, at, at dinner Um so we we faced Galena Park North Shore in the semifinals, and this team was killing everybody. They were fourteen and zero at the time. They had not lost a game all season, and it was something like of the twenty two starters, you know, eleven and eleven on offense and eleven on defense. Uh, something like fifteen or so had already you know committed to Division one teams. I mean, we're talking Texas Longhorns, Baylor Bears you know, Oklahoma Sooners, those types of guys. And um, our, our own newspaper, our, our beloved San Antonio Express News, um, predicted us to lose by about uh, two touchdowns. And we were ready that day. Uh, we wanted it that day. And we had this certain uh, mystique to us that day. And it was great how the stadium was set up, too. It was one of those, like, gladiator um stadiums it was like a bowl yeah and it just felt like we were you know going to war and it was, it was amazing we were fired up um long story made short we we hit them upside the head and we beat them by two touchdowns uh one of those crazy games where we we caused all these great turnovers we had these great plays on offense um we smashed them on defense and we came out with the win and it was the most satisfying win that i've ever been a part of that's a, so let me ask you this: having having gone through that and and walking into that game as the underdog, it's easy to get fired up when you're the underdog, and mm-hmm. in, in my in, at least in my opinion, and and what I've gone through. I mean, I've never met somebody who was 
at a high level of competition that did not get more of a fire in the belly right when they're the underdog because you have you have uh, that notch on you that you have something to prove and it almost like makes you work harder that's right yeah so with that being said you guys win that game you guys it's easy to get high on yourselves you right. know and, right. and and feel good and so that's the game before the state championship correct right yeah. that is correct so having just come off this streak you beat all these all these great teams you're going you know you're going to the state championship what is what is jim and his and his staff um how does he lead you guys into that game um how does he keep you guys humble how does what what was the air like in that situation as far as like leadership is concerned and, and how he really riled you guys up to 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 give it your best right one and one of the other things about going on that run and having the you know rocky regular season and then the great post season one of the things that he always stressed and the coaches always stressed was don't get too high during the highs and don't get too low during the lows if you can stay in this kind of middle mentality like okay if you experience a loss and we you you can relate this to life as well you experience a loss in life you have a bad day or you, you failed at something you didn't do something that you wanted to do don't get too down on yourself don't let it don't let it bring you down for too long because that right. if, you, if you do that then you're not going to get anywhere and then the opposite way too you, you experience a big win you have a win in your life if you get too high on yourself you're you'll go back down you kind of have to stay in this middle mentality where you're focused you're motivated you learn from your losses um, and you move on from your wins and so that was the mentality during the postseason, and I would say going into the state championship. By that time, uh, going to the state championship, the mentality was kind of like just just do what you've been doing. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, come in with the same work ethic, have a good week of practice, and uh, you guys know what it takes to get here. You guys know what it takes to win, and so uh, go out and do it. And um, and that was, I would say, that was the mentality that they pushed in that week uh, leading right. up to the state championship. So the foundation was already there. So right. like you guys already knew, you know, what was expected of you. And there wasn't some like magical phrase or something that was going to like make you guys even more ready, you know, like, so you, right. it was just that, okay, I got you. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, um, you know, to, to finalize, unfortunately you guys did not take yeah. the W, you yeah. know, it was a close game and he, he was, he shared the final score with me. It was a 13 to to, to yeah, that thirteen to ten. It was a it was a defensive battle. Um, you know, obviously not the outcome that we wanted, and it hurt at the time. It was <laughs> at, at that time it was the hardest thing that I experienced. You know, sure. to ha- to have that loss. Uh, but at the same time, you know, now that years have gone by, and you look at it, um, you say that the the run was one of the best things that I've ever right. experienced and learned from. Yeah, I mean, I, and, and this is something I was thinking about too, because I've never actually, you know, played sports at a, at any type of high level. Just, you know, your regular pickup basketball stuff. But so I've never had the I've never had the opportunity to experience something like that. But I think you know, reaching the top, reaching the top of the mountain or reaching to the, to the precipice with that other team, you know, mm-hmm. and, and especially when the game's ending at that close of a score, it's hard not to leave like feeling, it's hard not to leave feeling bad about the situation, right. obviously, but, but you also like, you know, you're saying looking back at it, like you realize like the score was so close, 
you know, that it's really two equal teams Mm -hmm. that, you know, one play one way or another would have changed the outcome. You know what I mean? Exactly. So you guys are definitely, you know, champions in, in that regard. So, um, but that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that um, with 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 all the listeners yeah, and my pleasure. And with me, I've never actually got to hear that story up until now. You guys are listening to the Clifton Miles Show. This next segment we're about to start is actually sponsored by Kristen Sinclair. She's a Liberty Mutual agent. She can actually help with all of your insurance needs. She's helped my family with our insurance needs, and we've uh, saved a ton of money. Uh, we switched from another provider. Um, using her services for auto insurance and she saved us something like 60 or 80 bucks a month it's absolutely fantastic and um, you guys can actually reach her at 210-849-9989 and that's Kristen Sinclair with Liberty Mutual Insurance like I mentioned earlier we we live in San Antonio which is the mecca yeah. of basketball oh. um, for the for the universe that's right <laughs> That's um, right. <laughs> this is the home of the San Antonio Spurs. And for our listeners that don't live in San Antonio, um, the you know the Spurs. That's the, just the team. You don't not know the Spurs. There are there are teams in other in other uh, sports that look to the Spurs. When we there was that uh, yeah, there was that quarterback of, from the Washington Redskins. That yeah. uh, Kirk Cousins. He said he wanted to be the Spurs. Right of the NFL, I mean, yeah, they're the greatest organization in uh, in sports. That's our our biased opinion. I would say they're <laughs> the greatest organization in all of history of any organization yeah. ever that ever existed. I don't, I, I don't think that's a question. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no yeah. question. Yeah, like, there's nothing, there's nothing that's better run than the Spurs. <laughs> I, I would mean, agree and, with and, that. Period. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Fact. With that, yeah, that's it's just a that's just a fact. It's not even a it's not, it, we're, the discussion's over. Yeah. Um. So the one there's there's several reasons for that, and so in the late '80s, um, you know, some might call it luck. I mean, there's lots a lot of luck, a lot of things that um, um, ended up happening um for the Spurs that have laid the foundation for them. Um, Steve Jobs has a famous quote that says it's it's impossible to connect the dots looking forward, but when you look back, it's easy to connect the dots. Oh and wow, see. I like that. And and when when you look back and connect the dots, like it all started with you know David Robinson and and I, I'd even say like Larry Brown, you know, yeah. together yeah. like that little tandem because Coach Pop, Coach Greg Popovich was the great one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we goat. just call him the goat. Yeah, but he um, um, and for for those that don't know what goat means, it means greatest of all time. That's um, a, they call that one an acronym. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so the goat coach Pop, he uh, was actually an assistant for Larry Brown, and um, Larry Brown is is a Hall of Fame basketball coach in his own right, and he, he was a mentor for for Coach Pop in. Coach Pop, you know, played for the Air Force Academy, and and um, he's a military guy. And so, in the mid '90s, you know, David Robinson was an MVP uh, player. I mean, he was he was an All Star. Um, he, he was a member of the Dream Team. He was a member the, of the, the Olympics original Dream Team with Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, and Magic Johnson, and, all, and that, that classic team. He was one of the centers, and next to Patrick Ewing, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. And so um, the um, 
David Robinson, you know, had a, had a really strong, uh, you know, ethical and moral backbone to him. You know, big people called him a choir boy and things like that, but he was very, very rooted in his beliefs, and he was he was all about the team. You know, he was very um, um, selfless, and yeah. and for a man. You know, in an era of Michael Jordan, who had like endorsements and right. you know things like that, Barkley. Like, yeah, he was. You know, all those guys were real flashy and showboaty. David Robinson was very. You know, he still had his little commercials here and there, but <laughs> but he was the anti like superstar almost like before Tim Duncan revolutionized that exactly that that that, that anti superstar. He still showed up knighted and night paradigm, out yeah, and and performed exactly, and so. Um, with all that being said, this David transition in the mid '90s, we had um, Coach Pop fired. Uh, Bob Hill was the guy's name, who was the head coach of the Spurs, and and Bob Hill had um, some success with the team, but it you know it wasn't it, the Spurs had gone through several coaches since Larry Brown had left, and Bob Hill was here, and he was doing what he was doing, and it was okay, but. Uh, Coach Pop like fired him because Coach Pop was the general manager. Like, yeah, fired him and, and that's kind of interesting to think about now. Um, you know, obviously now that's uh, that's understandable. We understand now that he's this fantastic uh, coach and everything. But you got to think at the time that takes a certain personality to say, you know what, I'm going to do this job better than you can. At the time, and, everyone was outraged. Yeah, I mean, they was they were literally livid because here's this guy that no one had heard of who right. fired a guy. And I want to say that the year before the Spurs had reached um, for the first time in a while, and I, I'm surprised they don't know this off the top, top off the top of my head, but they had had like either the highest winning percentage they had had in in six or eight years, or they had they had made it further in the playoffs that they had than they had in previous years, and Pop fired him. Yeah, and and I remember the newspapers were were wanting to torch him. You know, like he was <laughs> he was. Um, no one liked it, and it happened in a time where um, uh, David Robinson actually got hurt, and right. Sean Elliott got hurt in the same season. In the same season, and so the Spurs' record was terrible. And so he took over at like the worst time, and then we all know what happens. Then you know we draft yeah, greatness. We draft <laughs> the the a Hall of Fame legend who revolutionized the position of power forward named Tim Duncan, and and. Tim Duncan came in and, you know, we talk about leadership on this podcast and really Tim Duncan coming onto the team and the reason the team started to to see some success is all, in my opinion, on the leadership of David Robinson at that time because David Robinson, if you remember, in 1997 when Tim was drafted, had was like two years removed from being league MVP. Right. I mean, right. he was literally still in his prime. And here's this rookie, you know, yeah. mind you, he's the number one draft pick. Yeah. but In the front court and, with and, him. Yeah, in the front court with him. And David says, I'm going to give you the ball. Right. Like, you're going you're gonna to be the guy the ball goes and, through. And you think about it now, you put a lot of the superstars today, they would feel threatened by that presence. Exactly. I mean, they... They would. I feel like they would not respond well, but here you have David that has that selfless mentality, or like uh, as Pop says, 
guys that have gotten over themselves. Right. And he has the opposite mentality. I'm going to teach you everything I know. I'm going to help you. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to help. I'm going to play against you one-on-one in practice mm-hmm. and, and help you develop. Exactly. And it was absolutely fantastic. And when you, when you talk to pop or when you listen to pop, I mean, I've never got to talk to pop, but when you listen to pop talk about that situation and you talk about all the championships, you, you get the feeling from listening to pop that he feels, and I believe that he would, he would say this if, if you asked him straight up, I believe he feels in his heart mm-hmm. that almost anyone in his position that had that had had the things happen for them the way it happened to him uh-huh. would have done the same thing. That he's not special. We know that's not true. Yeah, we yeah. definitely know that's not true. But when he talks about it, he's like he says things like, "I just tried not to mess it up," or yeah. you know, or he'll. I've seen him say, "None of this would have happened had I not had David Robinson and then drafted Tim Duncan." You know what I mean? Like, you know, so you you hear those things from him and and. I mean, I, I really feel that, you know, like you mentioned before, had David been a little different, maybe didn't have the same, you know, ethics that he did or the same um, personality that he did, he maybe didn't make it as easy for Tim, and there was some type of locker room thing, like, you right. know, them not acting like that made Pop's job very easy. Yeah, and then you, you get a situation where, um, like, like a Kobe and Shaq, you know, playing together, and they did not have that mentality. Right. And they couldn't stay together, which which should have won like eight championships if it which would have won, it, yeah, if, they, <laughs> if it would have you know, if yeah. they would have let it. Um, so we talk about all this just basically to elaborate on the fact that you know if you look online or if you look at polls or studies or awards, I mean the Spurs are not just one of the best run organizations in basketball, but they're actually one of the best run organizations in all of sports. And, um, you know, the reason that is, is all because of leadership. You know, the, the mm-hmm. reason it's, it starts, you know, it started with pop, you know, and it goes down to Tim. Um, you know, you hear stories of, of, uh, of pop and Tim in practice and pop is literally belligerently yeah. yelling at Tim over some minor thing about right technique and, in f- floor spacing or something or or getting back on defense or whatever it might right. be. And so, you know, if the if the first round draft pick of the 97 draft <laughs> who's who's won three titles or four titles at the time, right. you know, is is you know, he ended his career with five obviously. Um, you know, even after winning one title, if he's you know, just belligerently yelling and blistering into this guy grilling him like everyone's gonna yeah you know okay you know what if tim's letting him do that then i'm gonna listen to to, you know you they have to there's no choice and so that's 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 worked really well for them you know but it started with the fact that like you said that tim had was one of those guys that gotten over himself and he allowed coach coach pop to coach him you know what I mean? Yeah, and this is um, also going back, and now that I'm thinking about it, you can kind of draw the connections from, you know, Greg Popovich and uh, my coach, uh, Jim Rackley. Pop also has that ability, you know, you hear about um, Pop going to the Virgin Islands to visit Tim Duncan to get to know him before they start the season. You hear about him uh, inviting his players over for dinner. Uh, so he he shows the players that he really cares about them and their future. He invests in their future. Mm-hmm. So they know that 
he really cares for them and he really and genuinely wants them to succeed. And then he also he can also be on the other side of the spectrum. He can, uh, you know, really get on you, yell in your face when you're not performing well. He's one of those upfront, brutally honest uh, coaches that will tell you if you're not getting the job done. Exactly. Uh, it's like it's a it's what is the phrase I'm struggling to to come people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Oh wow. Yeah. That's the that's the saying and and I feel like when you describe these guys like that's the kind of that's the phrase that comes to my mind. People don't know don't care what you know until they know that you care. And I I got that out of uh, John Maxwell's uh 21 year Irrefutable laws of leadership which um is a book I recommend to everyone. It's a to me, it's a holy, it's the holy grail of leadership. Dang. Yeah. It's really, really, it's a really great book. Um, and that's an understatement. So, um, we've been talking about sports for a good while. I mean, we, we talked about your, your run to the state championship. We talked about the Spurs and, and their, their dominance, um, across the universe in, in all <laughs> regards and yeah. how great they are. Um, let's, let's transition a little bit. Um, if you're, if you're just, uh, skipping around on the podcast and maybe you haven't listened all the way through, this is the Clifton Miles show. And I have my, my guest today is, uh, Rick Reyna and, uh, he's actually my cousin and, uh, known him my whole life. And, uh, we're sitting here talking about leadership and we just, uh, finished wrapping up a, a good, um, segment on, on sports and, and, um, and how, how sports and or leadership rather in sports is, is is just as crucial to those teams success as, as it is in like the world of business, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, for the next segment, um, I think this is something we're going to be doing moving forward with the rest of our guests. Um, we're going to talk about some burning desire. It was a, it was a subject of discussion for pretty much the last half of our last podcast, uh, with Mitch Creel. And, um, just to touch on this on this segment, um, burning desire looks like um, a ball in the pit of your stomach that you think about when you wake up, you think about when you go to bed, and it drives everything that you're doing for you to reach that goal. Um, a burning desire is something that helps you push through adversity helps you push through the the obstacles that come into your way uh, while you're trying to attain your goal um you can have burning desire you should have burning desire um for all aspects of your life that you're looking to accomplish now if you if you have if you've listened to me explain what burning desire is and you don't and you don't know what that is there's or you don't know what that feels like or you maybe you're unsure, there's a good possibility that you've not written down your goals. And what I mean by that is if you haven't written down your goals, then you don't know what you're working towards. And right. if you don't know what you're working towards, then how can you be passionate about accomplishing something if you're just waking up to go to work and then you're getting out of work and going home and going to bed and then doing it over again? So on this segment with what we're going to be doing from here out, with all of our guests is we're going to talk about burning desire as it relates to our, our individual guest. And so, um, so that question is for you right now. Um, 
what 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 has happened for you in your life or or should I say what has been an object for you of burning desire like I know you've you have goals mm-hmm. um, you're about to knock one out right now yeah um, in in your move um, for those that don't don't know um, Rick and I both live in San Antonio and we've never we've never moved out of San Antonio and Rick's about to make him a move to West Virginia and uh, he got a job out there um, uh, with the same company he's at now management position for the optical center and um, uh, he's transitioning to West Virginia and that was a goal for him um, to be near his son so um, tell us about I don't know if that's what you're going to touch on but that's the situation um, that that you're about to cross off on your goal list so Tell us a little bit about Burning Desire as far as how it pertains to you. Sure, yeah. Um, when I look back on my life and my experiences, uh, one thing that I notice is throughout my childhood and my adolescence and uh, really early adulthood, late teenage years, I really did not have any type of adversity. You know, my, my parents did a great job of building a home for me and my brother. We were not poor. We didn't struggle. My parents didn't fight. Um, so we just didn't, I just didn't have any hardships growing up. And then, you know, teenage years, uh, just, I was just a normal teenager, you know, going through high school, playing sports, playing football. And, and then, you know, after high school, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to college. Uh, I'm going to study. I just really did not have, uh, any type of adversity. Um, and then I get into my uh, early 20s and uh, without getting too much into it, getting too much into the details and, you know, getting on here and, and bashing anybody, um, uh, I ended up in a split family situation. Uh, uh, son and son's mom, not, not together, and they ended up in West Virginia. Uh, my son was born up there. Um <clears throat> And that had an effect on me, obviously. I mean, that changed the course of my life. That changed uh, my mentality. And the, the initial result of, of them being up there um, resulted in sort of this depression, uh, low self-esteem mode where I, I kind of just gave up, I guess, kind of just floating through life. And, um, you know, I was getting sad, you know, not seeing my boy not being around him. I wanted to be the everyday parent, but it, it just was not in the cards. Right. And uh, so I was going, going depressed. And um, finally, I, I, uh, I start going to uh, therapy, which I'm not, you know, I'm not afraid to admit now because it really helped me. And I think, you know, people should get help if they need it. Um, Honestly, I mean, most people should find someone <laughs> to speak yeah, to. Yeah, there's yeah, not, there's I, no I would agree with, with that. that. Yeah, I mean... If it's not a therapist, you should f- have someone to confide in. You know that that is um, uh, un unjudge- unjudgmentally yeah. unbiased, if you will. Right. You know what I mean? Right. About the situation, but I'm sorry. Continue. Oh yeah, no, um, no. I, I I'm glad you said that because I completely uh, agree with that. And I remember being in the uh, therapy room, and the therapist uh, was listening to my situation, uh, listening to my story, and um, she was up front with me and said, look, this is what you need to do. You need to go back to school full time. You need to find yourself a job where you can go to school full time and still work 
and still make money so you can go visit your son like you do. And I went out and did it. I changed jobs. I ended up where I'm at now, which has been really good to me. And I enrolled full time um, at Incarnate Word. And I noticed that once I felt that sense of direction, and I did write down my goals, like you mentioned, I wanted to be a college graduate. One of the goals I wrote down was I wanted to be the everyday dad, which I have not been to this point, but I will be soon. And that's when I really started to feel that that fire. Like what, And that's kind of the other thing, too. And I know you guys were talking about it uh, last week. If you have a goal and you write it down, and uh, one thing that's going to help you is to have success. You know, you experience that win or that feeling, and it kind of motivates you to keep going. And so I had that burning desire, that gazelle intensity that you guys talk about, uh, to finish school and um, uh, get my bachelor's and kind of move forward. And now that I've done that, I've finished school. Uh, my my next goal is to be the everyday dad. And so I began the process of wanting to move up there to be close to my son because, I, you know, I've, I've felt like I've missed so much already, you know wasn't around for a lot of the firsts, if you will. But on the same token, uh, I still have time to be there for future firsts. I can still be there for his first day of school, his first football game, uh, anything like that. Um, And so that situation, when I look back on it, you know, it, it really tore me down, really tore me apart. And it was a climb back up. But once you make that climb, you can look back on it. It's something that you can be proud of. Exactly. Yeah. And and I want you to touch on this too. I know, you know, having, you know, we have both unique situations because, um, you know, for, for me growing up, I had like, it was like one thing after another, after another, you know, mm-hmm. from childhood, as far as like, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, alcoholism with right. parents to parents splitting up to parents reconciling to moving um, every right. two years to... Um, you know, changing schools every uh, every time. Like when I went from, I went to f- four different elementary schools. When I finally went to middle school, it was in an area outside of where my elementary school friends went to. Right. So I knew knew I knew nobody. And then when I went to high school, it was in an area that was different from my middle school. So again, I knew nobody. And so um, all I knew was like, you know, kind of like stressful, right. unknown, weird situations. And so being that you're in a situation where this is that situation or this whole time frame was really like the first p- part of your life where you kind of started to kind of get slapped around a little bit. Right. Um, when you look back on it, I know there's always a sense of gratification, but there's also a sense of I know how to handle myself. Yes. When things start to get kind of tough again, can you do you do you want to touch on that? Yeah, and I, I think that's kind of what's helping me. Uh, at this moment, you know, I'm thinking about this move. And like you mentioned, I've never been anywhere else. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking about being in a new environment where I know no one. I have no mm-hmm. friends up there. I have no family. Uh, well, of course, my son. Um, and it's kind of nerve wracking. You know, I, I'm nervous. There's a there's a little bit of me that's a little scared. But on the same token, I can go back and say, OK, look at what I've been through. Look at what I've gotten through, what I've endured. Mm-hmm. I can get past that. I can fight through anything. It doesn't matter what it is. I can have my head held high and and get through it. Find a way. Find a way <laughs> to get it done. Yeah. 
like Nike, right? Exactly. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. That's really like, that's really my life's motto. Just do it. And so I'll ask you this. Um, Now that you've reached a position where you're literally on the cusp of knocking off a major goal on your goal list. Right. um, You had... Uh, that I know of, you had uh, two big ones. You know, it was graduating. Right. Uh, we well, had three. You had graduating college. You had uh, moving up to West Virginia. Right. And you had, you know, finding uh, a position of employment that you can feel good about while you're up there. Right. And you've you've done all you've done two of those, and you're about to knock off that third one here in the next couple of weeks. Right. I know for me, um, something I experienced when I when I took care of my goals is that um I got complacent and yeah. you know I I had the things that I had been working towards for years and I started to fall into little little slumps of like right. you know complacency and 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 I look back and I think I I tell my I tell Mitch you know from time to time cuz him and I talk almost daily that um I feel like I lost like a year and a half of my life because once I wow. once I crossed off my goals I didn't write down new ones. Yeah. And I didn't even think about it. Cuz I was so busy, you know, grinding my, you know, with what I was doing, you know, my my goal was to start a recording studio. That was like the biggest one I had. Right. And once I did it, I got so tied up making that work that my my only goal was to make it work and I was doing that daily, but I didn't write down any other goals. And so what I'll ask you is do you have any new goals in mind? Like once you get up to West Virginia, do you have something in mind or is that something that you're going to sit down and do? Oh, or or did I, did I just now plant the seed of that? You just now planted the seed. (laughs) No, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've had some general goals, but it's always good to be asked it, uh, directly. And, and to kind of touch on that complacency, you know, I actually, I graduated back in December and we're here. We are in September. I, I felt a little bit of that. You know, you, you finished, I finished school, you finished school, you, you're done with studying, you're done staying up all night, writing those papers. Mm-hmm. You want a little bit of a break and that's, that's mm-hmm. normal. But then you kind of just. Yeah. Some people that break never ends. <laughs> yeah. The break never ends. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I remember sitting, it, it didn't take me long, you know, it was a few weeks in, into January where I was like, okay, what now? You know, I felt like I wasn't being challenged and uh, I wasn't really expanding my horizons, if you will, like I was when I was in school. And so um, I kind of just, you know, floated around there for a few months. But then I really buckled down. Once I, I, I visited my son in April for his fourth birthday, I realized that he was starting pre- he is in pre-K now. And that visit, I, uh, um, I was kind of like, okay, I need to get this done now. Um, it's now or never. It's never... Na- not everything is going to fall into place uh, perfectly ever, so I need to just uh, do it now. And as as far as my goals, um, I want to end up doing uh, what I love in terms of um, being in education, because I feel like education is key. It's very important. Um, I believe in the uh, slogan, uh, knowledge is power. Um and so I want to end up in education. You know, um, right now I'll be transferring with this optical, which I, I like working for the company. They, they've been really good to me. I enjoy it. But uh, sales 
is not my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I'm fairly good at. You know, uh, I, I experience some enjoyment, you know, out of helping people, uh, in that regard, but it's not my passion. Right. My passion is to be, try to help educate people, whether it's kids, uh, teenagers, um, my professors had an impact on me and I, I maybe I'll be, you know, a professor one day. Uh, and so that's the ultimate goal. Uh, one, one concrete goal I do have is, you know, I'm, I'm going up there right now here in a few weeks. I want to be teaching by next school year. So August, 2017, I want to be done with the optical that I'm at now, the business, the job that I'm at now. I want to be in the classroom teaching and uh, starting my career in, in education. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. If you're cool with it, we'll put your, uh, Instagram on the podcast info or yeah. you can even say it. What is your Instagram? It's uh, at Richard James Reyna. All one word, all lowercase. Yeah, and Reyna is R-E-Y-N-A. That's right. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll let, we'll let the, the, the listeners follow you and uh, and and keep up with what you're doing when you make your move and and uh, hold you accountable to get yeah. that, that position next hold year. To, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um uh, to close out um, for episode two, um, I, do you have any closing thoughts? Anything that you want to share with the with the listeners in particular about um, leadership or entrepreneurship? Sure, businesses? sure. Um, I think some of the key things from uh, this segment and what we've uh, talked about is one um, leader, an, an abundance of leaders is is great. Um, different types of leaders uh, are to learn from are, are good and, uh, overcoming adversity. You're going to experience those, those downfalls in life and how you respond is how your life is going to be. And I, I think don't be afraid to experience new things. I mean, that's kind of the attitude I have going forward is, you know, yes, I guess those thoughts are in my mind about not having, you know, friends and family, not having yourself, uh, with me on weekends and stuff like that, yeah. that all that stuff, you know, worries me. But, um, I also have that positive attitude. It's like, Oh, you know, I get to experience a new place. Right. I get to, you know, expand my horizons. I think people need to not be afraid to challenge themselves and experience new things. For sure. And I, I can tell you that just from experience and having not moved cities, but moved, you know, from area to area, you know when you're when you're forced to um, when you're when you're in a situation where you have you know no new like new friends or anything like that, you're f- like forced to socialize. You yeah, know? You're yeah. Like, because you got to find someone to hang out with. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and and um, you know it might end up being a, 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 a something cool initially, while especially while you're getting adjusted and and uh, looking you know to accomplish that that goal of that teaching career. You know. Uh, you know, not having any distractions or whatever right, it might be, right. you know, but, um, well, uh, we're about, we're about closing off here. Um, I want to thank everybody that texted me, that messaged me, that liked our page, that, um, um, followed me on Instagram and, um, just reached out and, and told me, you know, what they liked about the other, uh, the first episode of this, uh, Clifton Miles show. And, uh, I mean, that really meant so much to me because, 
I had no clue anyone was going to listen to this. We just wanted to do it and we put it out there. And, and I had, um, at least a dozen people reach out to me and tell me that they enjoyed it and what they got out of it. And so, um, we're going to continue making these and, um, we're going to continue having some really cool guests. We've, we've been in talks with, with four or five different, really, really cool people, um, to come on and do these with us as well in the future. And, um, and we're just going to keep making these cool podcasts for you guys to listen to. So, uh, as I mentioned before, um, the Instagram is at, at Clifton miles. You want to follow Rick? It's at Richard James Reyna. That's right all one word and um um you can like our facebook page which is clifton miles entrepreneur author and um uh, yeah just follow us and keep up with us when the show uh comes out we're going to try to continue putting these out on mondays and um we just appreciate you guys listening so um with all that being said i want you guys to have a great week and um shoot me a message on instagram or comment on a post and and let us know what you think about this week's podcast and uh, Rick, thank you so much for, for being here and doing this with us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. Yeah, no no problem. We, we had a great time as well. And good luck to you on your move. Thank and you. um, I know you're going to you're gonna kill it. And thank you guys. Y'all have a great week. This is the Clifton Miles Show. Bye.